But let's dive in today to our third installment of our series, Relation Slips. If you're new to Catalyst, we teach in series. Uh, and we, we, every year we do a series around relationships. And here's really the premise and the reasoning why. When we, we go through life, all of us in this room have probably received ample training for our profession. Uh, many in the room, you, you not only went to, to undergraduate, you went to graduate, you do professional education, you do postdoctoral, all of this for your, for your occupation. But oftentimes in life, we don't get much training when it comes to relationships. Come on. Most states, when you go to get your license to get married, they're like, here you go, and good luck. Come on. And, and there's not much instruction. They don't require education. But here's the good news is the Bible has a lot to say about how we, how we manage our relationships, our friendships, our marriage relationships, if you're single, workplace relationships. So we're looking in this series called Relation Slips. How can we overcome some of the common problems and barriers and difficulties we face in relationships? Uh, and today I want to talk about a, a, a topic uh, when it comes to our relationships uh, today and really look at it from this angle. Is that in order for us to have healthy relationships, again, you name it, a close friendship, a marriage relationship, maybe you're dating someone. A, a healthy relationship is oftentimes the fruit or the result of two healthy people. It's difficult to have a healthy relationship if I'm not healthy. And I want to talk today, because here's what I believe. The greatest gift you can give your friendships, your marriage, the person you're dating, the person that one day you'll marry, the greatest gift you can give them is a healthy you. So we're going to talk today from the scriptures of how can we be healthy so that we can have the healthy relationships that God has desired for each and every one of us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, we pray that as we open it up today, God, that you are here with us. You are speaking to us. And Lord, we just even right now, we just posture our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive from you. We thank you for it. It's in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to look in 1 Corinthians 7. I'm going to give a caveat off the top of this message. Uh, some of you will know this because we're talking about 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, the midsection of Corinthians, uh, the Corinthian church um, was not known for their incredible morality. Uh, they were known for their struggles with that. I hope that frees some people up today. Uh, aren't you grateful that the Bible says that your righteousness, your right standing with God is in Christ, not your own righteousness? Can we say thank you, Jesus? So here's what I want you to hear off the bat. God does not require perfection. Uh, that's why he sent his son, Jesus. Um, but there is some instruction given in the scriptures on how we can live uh, God's best in our life. In 1 Corinthians 7, here's the, the kind of pre-warning I'm going to give to parents in the room. This will be a PG-13. Segments will be a PG-13 message. Here's why. Because the Apostle Paul writes in a PG-13 manner in 1 Corinthians 7. He just be a little, he, he's, he's, he's open and he's honest on some issues of life uh, that honestly we should talk about. Uh, and we need to talk about. But if you have a young child, uh, it may be uh, that part. may not want them necessarily hear this part, but just to give you a pre-warning. But 1 Corinthians 7, we're going to read in the middle of, this, of the chapter. 
and verse 32 if you have your Bible. And Paul, just five verses to kind of start us off here. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, I would like you to be free from concern. He says, an unmarried man is, is, is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of the world, how he can please his wife. And all the wives said, he better. Come on, somebody. <laughs> like, did you hear the pastor? <laughs> and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he's engaged to, just context, that word engaged is not how we use it. In fact, our cultural engagement is not found in Scripture. Um, it's either single or married. It's more of like you're engaged in relationship with this person. So engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. I want to give three applications from Paul's few verses here on really how we can be healthy in order to have healthy relationships. And I'm going to speak to both those who are single in the room and those who are married, because uh, really Paul speaks to both. And Paul actually writes this as a single man. Paul felt called to a life of singleness. Some of you may, 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 in this room may feel called to a life of singleness. Some may feel called to a season of singleness. And your prayer right now is, Lord, let it be short. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Some of you are married. I'm going to help somebody out. Ready for this? Write this down. If you are married, you are called to marriage. Okay? It's being clear. If you're married, you're called to marriage. Um, let me give you some application. Three applications on how we can cultivate health in our life to have healthy relationships. Here's the first one. Is that we need to cultivate a healthy relationship with God. This is the most important. A healthy relationship with God. Paul said, my hope for you is that you would have an undivided devotion to the Lord. And he speaks to both single and married. He says, if you're single, the good news of your single, he writes this as a single. You can have a singular devotion to God. But if you're married, you have a dual devotion. So you, you're devoted to God, but you need to be devoted to your spouse. And I don't want you to feel this, the weight that he puts on this, that Paul says, that in this moment, that your devotion to, the, to, to your spouse, and I think for sake of our own cultural narrative, because oftentimes in our culture, um, people can put careers over spouse. Here's what Paul says. Here's what the Holy Scripture says. Your devotion is to God and your spouse before your work, before other things in your life. That, that's what God's entrusted. Those are the two primary relationships. Let me say this to the parents. Your devotion is to your spouse before your children. I know it can be easy because, come on, those children are demanding in Jesus' name. <laughs> but but we, have, we have to, that means we, listen, we have to, devotion, when you oftentimes when you see the word devotion in the Greek in the New Testament, it refers to a steadfastness or a perseverance. Here's what that implies, that sometimes it will be hard to remain devoted, but you have to choose devotion anyway. So Paul says, if, in fact, let me say this, Paul's 
exhortation here is very much kind of resembles of what Christ said in Matthew 22, the greatest commandment. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Can I submit this to you? The most important relationship you currently have and will ever have is with God. That from that relationship, listen, I'm telling you, if you can get that relationship right and healthy, it will help the other relationships. But when that relationship is not right, it will negatively impact the other relationships. So he says if you're single in the room, you can have singular devotion to God. Here's that means. Your, your single life, you don't take the time you would invest in a spouse and put it towards finding a spouse. You don't take it that time you'd invest in a spouse and put it towards building a career. Yes, you should do those things. Please also hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you just seek the Lord and, and, and not seek a spouse. Come on, somebody. It is okay to mingle if you are single. Come on. And if you're going to mingle, may I encourage you, mingle in the house of God, okay? Listen, if you're single, there's no shame in you joining seven groups for the purpose of mingling. Come on. You're like, I love Jesus, but my antennas are up. Okay? Sometimes we can over-spiritualize things too much. Like, it's like if you think they're attractive and you like being with them, ask them out. Some of you, that's all you needed today. Just write that down. Okay. <laughs> ask her out. Yes. Now. Okay. Like, Okay. But, but listen, but listen, but be devoted to God, he says. Have a singular devotion to the Lord. He's, he's encouraging us. As a single person, listen, if you can develop a healthy relationship with God, it will go well with you and God brings you that person. I was reminded years ago of, a, of a someone who was a part of a church where I was on staff. He was, uh, he attended the church and he was 33 years old and he, he asked to meet with me and he said, hey, pastor, I need your counsel on something. 33 years old, a lot of great things going in his life. And he said, I feel like, I feel like the Lord is, is telling me to, st to stop dating, stop pursuing any relationships with women for one year. And I said, well, if that's the, what the Lord's saying to you, then, you know, then do what he's asking you to do. So for one year, like he, he, he invested his, himself. Whatever time he would have spent investing in relationship, he invested in his relationship with God. I mean, and you could see spiritually he was just growing, like his prayer life. He was leading a community group for singles. He was serving on the parking team. And then about nine months into his year of him following God, again, I'm not saying it's the word for every single to not date for a year. But what I'm saying it is, it is the word for you to devote yourself to God. And his devotion looked like that. About nine months in, the woman who would eventually become his wife joined his singles group. He told me, he said, pastor, those last three months were really hard to be faithful to God. I had the honor of officiating their wedding downtown in the National Mall. But they both were, 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 were going hard after God. I once heard it said this way. Can I, can I encourage you as well if you're single? Go passionately after God and listen and look for those around you who are going as hard after God as you are. I, I once heard someone say this. It's almost like you have your head down. You're going, you're pursuing God and then look around to see who's running at the same pace you are. Because can I tell you that future spouse, that future husband, future wife for you, you want them to be a person of God right. and don't date on a hope. Can I help somebody out? Don't date on a hope. One day, maybe one day, I'm praying for him, pastor. No, 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 no. 
You don't want to have to have somebody. You got to be just just kind of push forward. You need someone that's running after at the same pace you are. Is that okay? I love you. Listen, if you're married in the room, don't be mingling, okay? That's just a little side note. If you're married, don't mingle, okay? Mingle with your spouse. Do whatever you want. But listen, I I tell this to couples in premarital counseling. The best thing that you can do for your marriage is to cultivate a healthy, vibrant relationship with God. Bar none. God will, will lead you and guide you in ways to bless your marriage. Let me flip it. The best thing you can do for your spouse is to encourage them to have a healthy, vibrant relationship with God. Because can I tell you, listen, he, God will take care of other problems in your marriage. I remember years ago, I was, um, <clears throat> Hannah was just born. Hannah's now nine years old. She was just born, about I mean, one or two years old maybe at the time. And uh, at that time, our kind of rhythm at home was I cooked dinner and Christina would bathe Hannah. So she'd bathe Hannah while I cooked dinner. So I didn't bathe. Um, If I ever bathe children or change a diaper, it is in service to the Lord because I never enjoy either of those. Come on. So I was home with Hannah. Christina was coming home. And I was actually working for a church. I was studying for a message. And I felt this reoccurring thought that I was supposed to bathe Hannah, like for Christina. And I said, devil, get behind me. I'm trying to read the Bible right now. Don't distract me with that nonsense. Try to be a man of God. And it kept, it it wouldn't leave me. It was like constant. So I was like, all right, this must be the Lord because it's not me. So I bathed Hannah. When Christina walked in the, the, the door and she found out I had bathed Hannah, I could see the feeling of feeling loved on her face. And I was like, all right, Jesus, you got that one. But come on, she thought I was being sweet. Nope, I wasn't. I was just being obedient. Come on, somebody. Like, this wasn't my idea. Like, I wouldn't do this. But the Lord. So when you cultivate a healthy relationship with God, God will begin to, to, to take care of some things for you. I love what Peter Scazzaro says. He says, our relationship with God and relationship with others are two sides of the same coin. It's going to help you out. Let me get real practical when it comes to this. To develop a healthy relationship with God, develop a powerful and meaningful prayer life. I I love this quote from Julian of Norwich. She says that prayer unites our soul to God. Prayer has a powerful effect of building our relationship with God. Here's what Paul said in Galatians 4.2. Devote yourselves, he says, to prayer. That word devote is a steadfastness. It's a perseverance. It means there will be times you don't feel like praying. There will be times you don't want to pray. But pray anyway. Can I tell you, it's hard. I believe this. It's, it's, it's difficult, not impossible, difficult to have a healthy relationship, I believe this, with your significant other or spouse without a consistent date. And you have to devote yourself to having a date. Because sometimes you have to fight for it. You have to figure it out. We had that this past week, to be honest. Christina was traveling. We had a full week. We like found an hour block that we had. And we, we like fought for it. You got to fight for it. And Paul says, you have to kind of fight for sometimes your time with the Lord. That you may, you may have a busy week at work. The kids may be getting up extra early. You got to fight for that time with the Lord. Let me also say this to help somebody out. 
Because maybe you're here today and you're like me. When I first came into relationship with God as an adult, I kind of understood Bible reading and Bible study because I, I just come through like undergraduate and grad school. I've been in college for eight years, like studying I got. I love to read. I love to study. But prayer was hard for me. So I would get up in the mornings at 530 and I'd go to my kitchen table, my dining room table to sit and like pray. True story. I would fall asleep most mornings. And I thought to myself, I'm a terrible Christian. Like, I can't even stay awake for the Lord, like, let alone talk to him, right? And then I read a book by this guy named Parker Palmer, great author. He was a seminary professor. And he said he had a student come to him who had the same problem. He said, Professor, I'm, I'm falling asleep when I pray. And he said, well, when do you feel most connected to God? He said, when I'm walking outside. He said, well, walk outside and pray. A light bulb went off for me. So literally for about three, four years of my life, I would walk and pray. That's what I was in my prayer life. And I had a great prayer life because of that. Now, I have for the past maybe eight or nine years, I journal my prayer. I, I like write out a letter to God. Like, it's my prayer. And whatever I sense him speaking to me, I write it out. Like, that's just how it works for me. So here's my encouragement to you. Uh, in fact, even someone told me first service, they said, when you said that, it helped me out so much because I was told I had to sit on my bed and pray. I'm like, probably for most people, that's the worst idea. Come on, right? Because you're like, I'm in bed. Um, whatever it is. Listen, prayer is conversation with God. And can I tell you, I think actually the enemy wants to make it seem so structured and religious so you don't do it. Because he knows when you pray, you'll walk in the power of God. He knows when you pray, the forces of hell get pushed back in your marriage. That when you pray, you'll walk in the grace and the power. Can I tell you? Let me all say this. Keep a prayer list. Let me give you two reasons why. Number one, most of us don't have that great of a memory. <laughs> Practical. Two, you know what I do? This is just me. This isn't thus says the Lord. This is me. When God answers a prayer, now this is part of my wiring because I'm, kind of I'm kind of a get things done. Come on, I got a task list for my task list. For my task list, come on, anybody else? So when God answers a prayer, I literally check off the prayer. Here's why. Here's why. I have, I have several pieces of paper in my house with prayer lists. Here's why. Because when I pray every morning and I see that check, I remind myself that God answers prayers. So it builds my faith. He answered that one. Oh, I can't wait till I check this one. I can't wait till he does this. And can I tell you, listen, as one of our overseers, Pastor Mark Batterson says, prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. Yes. Let me put it for your relationships. Prayer is the difference between the best you can do in your marriage, the best you can do in your friendships, and the best God can do in your marriage. And the best God can do in your friendships. Can I tell you, man, cultivate a life of prayer. You know, Jesus said this. I, I love in Matthew 6. He's talking about prayer and, and fasting. And he says, it says this about prayer. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Can I encourage you as well? Let me be real practical and specific. Pray about your relationships. If you're single, pray now. And you desire to be married, pray now for your spouse. On a side note, parents, I pray for my children's spouses right now. I do. I pray in the name of Jesus, Judah marries a woman of God. 
I pray for Hannah Mary. He's a man of God. I pray for him. I don't know where he is right now. Now he's going to talk, talk to me first. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and I will break his neck if he hurts my girl. Listen, in Jesus' name. I may be a pastor, but I'm a little hard, okay? But, I, but listen, parents, pray for your kids' spouses. And then, man, pray for your spouse if you're single and you desire to be married. Pray, can I tell you, it was, it was during, even while we were, I was dating Christina, I was praying over our, that relationship. I said, God, like, is she my wife? Or like, what is this relationship? And it was in prayer that God confirmed in my spirit that she was my wife. Like, the reason I moved forward with proposing, now listen, if God's already told you she's your wife, put a ring on it, okay? A little side note. Don't delay that game, okay? I put a ring on it immediately. I was like, Lord said it, that's done. Ain't no reason to wait, okay? Then I was like, you want to get married in three months? She was like, I need more time. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> I was quick. I don't know, people who do like two-year engagement, I don't know how you all do it, like... Anyways, another, another story for another day. But, 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 but then listen, if you're married, pray over your marriage. Can I tell you, if you're married, pray with your spouse. And it doesn't have to be these like, you don't have to like, you know, burn candles and like put the light. Just, just have 15 seconds, 30 seconds, pray. Like I'm telling you, listen, the enemy hates it, hates it when you pray. He hates it even more when you pray together. It's between the best you can do and the best God can do. Cultivate a powerful prayer life. Cultivate a healthy relationship with God. Here's number two. Cultivate a healthy soul. Cultivate a healthy soul. The Apostle Paul says, talks about acting honorably. And he says, if your passions are too strong and you feel like you ought to marry... You should do as you want. Now, this is the PG-13 part of the message. Paul's talking about sex. Now, for some of you, maybe you grew up in a church, you never heard that three-letter word. <laughs> but that is in the Bible, <laughs> and it's all over culture. <laughs> so can I tell you, if it's in the Scripture, and it's all around our world, it should be in the church. Can I get amen? amen. It's not a dirty word. Can I tell you, who, if, if it has ever been thought of as a dirty word, the only people... The only person who's made it dirty is in hell, <laughs> the enemy of our soul. God created sex as a gift. Like, it's a gift for us. He created this for us. So Paul says, listen, like, just a side note, if you're wondering, should I get married? Paul's like, listen, if you desire to have that type of relationship, <laughs> it might be a good sign you are called to marriage. Now, Paul, again, writes this as a single person. But he, he's, he's writing. He's not saying to, to hear this. You can read this and think, man, Paul, you had a low view of marriage. <laughs> the only reason you marry is because he's not saying that. But he is saying this, that, that it, is, it is important. He was also speaking culturally to the context. Here, here's why. In Corinth, um, you had this kind of relationship with whomever at any time. Like men were married in Corinth, but they had many women they were with. So that was the culture. And then in the church, they almost, the church almost overreacted. So much so that in the church, they were like, you should abstain from sex, even if you're married. Paul's like, slow your role player, okay? It's a gift from God. 
If you're married, have a ball. You know, that's what he's saying. But this is important because in 1 Corinthians 6, he speaks more to it. Here's what he says. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body. That word body is the word soma. It doesn't refer to physical body. It refers to your very essence, your very being. Some would say your soul. Nothing affects your soul. Nothing affects your being. Nothing affects your personhood like this one, he says. For sexual immorality, that word sexual immorality in the Greek is the word pornea. It's where we get the word pornography. Pornea means any sexual activity outside of a husband and a wife. That's what it means in the Greek. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own soma. Here's what Paul says. Run from it. Run from any sort of sex outside of marriage because it is a sin that comes against your very being. It's a sin that actually wars against your soul. And can I tell you, research today affirms what Paul wrote years ago. In fact, we know today, because of research, that, that when we have sex, certain neurochemicals are released that show us sex is far more than physical. We know this, right? It releases dopamine, a pleasure chemical. It releases oxytocin, known as the love hormone. I know what oxytocin does. Oxytocin re- increases emotional connectivity with someone. That's why when, you have, when, you're, when you're engaging in sex with someone, you, you increase your connectivity to that person. So it's even hard to discern who they are in that relationship because you're actually releasing oxytocin with them and you're increasing your connectivity with them even if you don't really like them. That's what your brain does. It releases as well vasopressin. Vasopressin numbs pain. Vasopressin also increases emotional connectivity. But look, look how good God is. He created sex for marriage. Watch this. So you would have pleasure and increase your connectivity with your spouse. How good is our God? And on a side note, vasopressin numbs pain. So while you're having it with your spouse, your back pain goes away. Come on, somebody. You don't need that medication. You need more time with your wife. Just help somebody out. If you need to leave right now and go home, do it. <laughs> Ain't no shame in that game. Can I say this? There should be no shame felt over sex. Can I get amen? It shouldn't be a dirty word. Man, they're talking all about it in culture. We need to talk about it in the church. Can I tell you parents, when appropriate, you need to talk about it with your kids. Because your kids are going to hear about it. And give them God's vision, God's perspective on this. But listen, when we have it outside of God's context, this is research. Journal of Behavioral Development, 2009. They looked at pornography use. Those who just view pornography. Again, where we get the word pornea. is associated with increases of anxiety, body image issues, poor self-image, relationship problems, insecurity, depression. The the Archives of Sexual Behavior Journal in 2013, they found that people who have multiple partners, it's statistically correlated with substance abuse disorder. And listen, please hear this. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So if you find yourself having a past, can I say this before I came to Christ? I was not pure. 
Can I say this? If you are there right now, there is no condemnation in Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? So if any shame you feel right now, that's not from God. He doesn't take, come to put shame on you. That's not the intention of this message either. The intention of this message is to reveal the schemes of the enemy. What the culture says is normative, the Bible says is destructive. Research tells us is destructive. Anxiety, depression, substance abuse, things, what is it? Affects your soul, your very being. That's what Paul's saying. So run from it. Let me get practical. If you are single in this room, you need to have some healthy accountability and boundaries in your life. Now, sometimes you can think, Jeremy, boundaries, that's kind of childish. Like, you, you think you can't handle certain things? No, it's not childish. It's actually very adult of you because you're aware of yourself. Like, you know, if I go, if I, if I go to certain places or I'm with someone in a certain room or at a certain time, I am more prone to do certain things. And that's what it is. Can I tell you, when Christine and I were dating, we had boundaries around how late we would be together. We would have boundaries on where we would go. I would not take her. I, I had a, a roommate in a condo. We would never hang out in my bedroom because I could shut that door. Come on, somebody. I was like, and as Bishop Jakes, T.D. Jakes one time said, if you have a desire to do that with the person you're dating, that's a good sign, okay? But just you don't act on it. You got to say about one time, true story. We were, we were at my house. We were sitting on my futon. Come on, you know you're a bachelor when you have a futon. Come on. It wasn't a nice futon either. It was like that Ikea, like futon that's like 100 bucks. It's like very uncomfortable. That's what I had. But I have my futon. We're hanging on my futon. And my mind went places that I did not want my body to go. So I said, Christina, I love you, but you have to get up on out of here right now. She's like, what? I said, you just got to get up on out of here right now. The only person that I can be with right now at this moment is Jesus. <laughs> Later, I told her. I said, here's see what had happened was. <laughs> and I was trying to be a man of God. But there's a part of me saying, no, no, no. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to act. You got you to set a boundary. Set boundaries. And have someone lovingly hold you accountable. Like, just ask you, not, not to be, like, mad at you or upset, not, to, not at all. In fact, if they do that, don't have them do that. Like, have them be somebody who loves you and prays for you and supports you and encourages you. Hey, if you're married, here's my application. Cultivate a healthy sex life. Now, listen, if you put it on autopilot, it will drift to nowhere. The statistics on married people's sex life is pretty barren. It's not healthy, the average couple. So here's what you have to do. You have to cultivate it. You have to talk about it. You have to work on it. If need be, you got to schedule it. Come on, somebody. You schedule work meetings? I think that's the most important meeting you can have, okay? You got a budget meeting? You need a meeting, okay? Seriously, you, you got to work on it. Because here's why. The enemy... He knows the power of a healthy marriage. He knows the power of a healthy couple having a healthy sex life. So he will try to get that sex life to be non-existent. Because it's also hard to have a healthy marriage without having a healthy physical life. He knows the power of it. So you've got you to cultivate it. You've got you to work on it. All right. The sex portion is done.
you can breathe easy now. But it's a part of having a healthy soul. It's having a healthy relationship with that in our life. Here's what Christ said about our souls. He says, he says what, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, he says, but you lose your own soul? Here's what Christ says. What, is, what does it gain you if you become wildly successful in your work? If you become incredibly wealthy? If everything externally in your life happens the way you hope for it to happen, but you lose your very being, you lose your very soul. And I, I think in, when it comes to our relationships, if we're not careful, I you know, have conversations with couples who says, you know, hey, I'm, I'm preparing to get married, but before I get married, I want to get out of debt. I want to get my money right. Or I want to finish my graduate degree. Or I want to get to a certain place in my career. Then I'll be prepared to get married. And I think those preparations are, 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 are good. They're fine. But I don't think it's the most important preparation. It reminded me some years ago, I went to a, a Baltimore Ravens game at M&T Bank and I was preparing for, to go to the game and I had, you know, what I thought all I needed. I had um, my, uh, my Lamar Jackson jersey here. Got it with me this morning. Hopefully he'll be MVP this year in Jesus' name. And I had my Ravens hat. So I was set. I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. What I didn't take into account was our seats were on the upper deck. And it was calling for rain the entire afternoon. So I went to the stadium with things that you need, right? You need to wear your team's gear. But I didn't come with probably what was more important, a rain jacket. So I had to buy a poncho at the stadium because the, the whole game it rained, the whole game. So here's what I'm saying that. Because this can represent, you can prepare your finances, you can prepare your career and your education. You can put the things in your life externally together. The greatest gift you can give your future spouse, if you're single, your current spouse, if you're married, is not great finances. It's not a great career. It's a healthy soul. That is the most important thing because here's why. If your soul is unhealthy, it's going to be hard for you to have a healthy marriage. It is. So here's what that means. Is you cultivate a healthy soul. And you know those things in your life. You need to, you need to attack that workaholism that you know is alive and well in you. You need to go after that anxiety and whether you need to get into some therapy Maybe for some of you, like you need to open up to some friends. You need to go after it. You need to deal with that depression. You need to attack that addiction. You need to get some help. Can I tell, can I encourage someone? It is okay for you not to be okay. But listen, it's not okay for you to stay there. You gotta, you gotta, cause, cause there's, there's tools God's given us and you gotta work it. And listen, can I tell you to cultivate a healthy soul? I am still in process. I've told you before, I see a counselor on the regular. I'm talking to him this week. Listen, it takes work, but it's worth it. Because can I tell you, there have been moments and seasons of our life that our marriage hasn't been great. And the problem wasn't we need to improve communication. The problem was Jeremy needed a healthier soul. So not saying you shouldn't work on communication, but the most important thing you can do is to get that anxiety, that addiction, that depression, that workaholism 
Whatever it is for you, man, work on it and cultivate a healthy soul. John said this in 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Here's what he says. Your soul health will influence all other parts of your life. He says in order for it to go well in other areas of your life, for longevity, you need to have a healthy soul. And a big part of having a healthy soul, he actually says this in 1 John 1, 3. He actually says this. We proclaim to you that what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. Verse 4, he says, we write this to make our joy complete. Here's what John says. A key part of a healthy soul is the healthy relationships and friendships with other followers of Jesus. That you need to have some healthy friendships, some healthy relationships you can be open, you can take the mask off with, as we say here. It's key for us to be healthy over the long term. So you have to cultivate a healthy relationship with God. You have to cultivate a healthy soul. Here's number three. You have to cultivate godly character. Paul talks about living honorably. Reminds me of what he says to young Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. He says, don't let, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. He says, set an example. Demonstrate godly character. That word devote that he uses, it actually means private devotion. You know, our character is revealed in public, but character is developed in private. Here's how character is formed. Character is formed through private decisions you make. It's the decisions you make that no one else knows about. It's those moments that you're obedient to God that no one else knows but you and God. But it forms a character on the inside of you that will sustain you. Can I tell you, when you ever see somebody have a breach of character publicly, can I, it, it never happened that one time. It was probably many decisions ago in private. They made a decision to violate their integrity. It's when you decide privately, I'm going to choose purity as opposed to giving into my lust. I'm going to choose honesty instead of telling a little white lie. I'm going to be generous instead of giving into my greed. I'm going to repent and humble myself before the Lord instead of holding on to my pride. And it's those decisions you make that no one knows about. It develops a character privately that will sustain you publicly. So when things happen, when life squeezes you, what comes out of you is integrity. What comes out of you is honesty. What comes out of you is something that people see. Let me put it this way. It's not just good character. It's God's character in you. It's the spirit of God in you. And can I tell you more than ever before, we see all around us. You don't have to look too far. We've all seen it. Someone gets squeezed at work. Uncontrolled anger comes out. Something squeeze happens and you realize someone's been having an adulterous affair. Can I tell you, that lashing out in anger didn't just happen in that moment. It was months ago they chose not to control it. That, that adulterous affair, that addiction, it didn't just happen overnight. And it was years ago where they kept going to that substance to numb that pain. Where they kept pouring themselves into work to numb that pain. They went to that relationship that started out 
just conversational, but ended up being very physical to numb that pain. Here's why I'm saying this, because we are called to be, as the people of God, people who have God's character, that we allow the word of God to shape us, the spirit of God to convict us and lead us. D.L. Moody, a theologian, says this, that character is what a man is in the dark. It's who you are when no one else is looking. Who's that person? Can I just speak to those who are single and those who are married in the room about this, this topic? Number one, if you are single, oftentimes there can be, this was the case for me in my early 20s, there was a disconnect between what I wanted and a significant other and who I was becoming as a man. Sometimes we can, for, I'll just share me vulnerably. I wanted like a woman who was a woman of integrity, a woman of honesty, a woman who was caring, a woman who was healthy, a woman who was pure. But you know, Jeremy was not, in my early 20s, any of such things. So there was a disconnect. I was wanting this in a significant other, but I was living like this. And we attract who we are. There was a disconnect. And listen, I think you should have a standard. And the number one thing on your standard should be that whoever it is that you're looking to, to date if you're single, they're going hard after God. We all have things we desire, right? For some of you, you can fit on a note card. For others of you, you have a book. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and that's okay. I, I think you should have some. Be open-minded, but, but have standard. But here's, here's what I heard from Andy Stanley years ago. He said this always stuck with me. He said, become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Meaning this, if you're looking for a godly person, what's that godly person looking for? Like become that person. It's more about who you're becoming than who you are looking for. Because if you become that person, you'll end up attracting that person. Let me say this as well. I said it earlier, but as you're becoming that person, look for others around you who are also that person becoming godly. To those who are married, let me say this. A lot of times I've sat down with a couple for any kind of counsel. And this is human nature, right? It's easier to see other people's problems than see our own problems sometimes. And we'll sit down in a marriage and they'll say, well, well, she's disrespectful when she speaks to me. Well, he doesn't do this. Well, she doesn't do, he doesn't do. Now listen, there's probably some fault with your spouse because they're human. But I think it goes much better for us Instead of trying to change our spouse, we allow God to change us. Say, God, what do I need to change? I remember years ago, our, our marriage, um, it was around that same time with Hannah when she was young. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. It's was kind of like, you know, meh. You know, it was like, sir. And I was praying about our marriage. Like, man, God, it's, it's, not, it's okay. It's not great. It's not bad. It's okay. I want, I want a great marriage. And as I prayed, you know, I was like, you know, sometimes we expect God to do the miracle, but God often wants to do the miracle in us. <laughs> We're like, God, help my marriage. And then he's like, I actually want to help you, Jeremy. <laughs> what he pointed out in me was that season of my life 
just true, honest, um, which Christina is amazing. If you know her, you know that, but I just want to say it publicly. And if you're watching online right now from Puerto Rico, I love you, baby. Um, <laughs> but come home fast, okay? <laughs> um, God spoke to me because around that time of our life, probably 80 to 90% of the home responsibility she was doing. And God said, it's actually not your marriage I want to work on, Jeremy. It's you. He began to show me how I needed to actually roll my sleeves up and cook some food and do some dishes and bathe a child and change some diapers. Come on, I'm helping somebody out right now. I wasn't. And can I tell you, sometimes what, again, the key is not changing us, changing me. It may not be changing your marriage, it's changing you, God wants to do. What in you? You can't control your spouse, and don't try to, but allow God to, to change what's in you to cultivate godly character. Then towards the end in 1 Corinthians 7, 17, and I close with this. The worship team can come. Paul, kind of in the middle of the chapter, says this. What was happening in Corinth was when they were coming to Christ, they were like, so Paul, what do we do now? Like, do I leave my spouse and be single and just devote myself to God fully? If they're single, do I get married now? Like if they were working in business, they're like, do we leave my job and just serve God? Like, what do I do? And Paul says this, each person should live as a believer, and whatever the situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. Here's what Paul says. That in order for you to experience the best God has for you, is to do what God is asking you to do right where you are. And regardless of what your relationship status is, regardless of what season of life you're in, regardless of what you feel called to relationship, here's what he says. In fact, Peter says it this way. As obedient children, <laughs> do not conform to the evil desires you once had lived in ignorance. He says, don't, don't conform to the pattern of the world and the way in which you live, but remain faithful to God. Here's why. Because Jesus said in Luke 11, that blessed are you, blessed are, am I, blessed are all, he says, who hear the word and put it into practice. You know, that word blessed is the word makarios. It means happy. You know, we often see in movies, you know, people will say happily ever after. You know, we want to live, we all want to happy relationships, right? You know, no one's like gets into marriage or dating or even friendships. and like, oh, I hope this is miserable, you know? Like you want to be happy and healthy, right? And listen, there, there is, there is, there's nothing spiritual about wanting a hard relationship. Because Jesus says, man, you're, you'll be happy. But hear this, when you put my word into practice. So if you want to have happy and healthy relationships, put the word of God into practice. And cultivate a healthy relationship with him. And develop a prayer life. Devote yourself, as Paul says. Cultivate a healthy soul. What, what are those things that God has been pinpointing to you or some things you need to do? Maybe it's that, that, that anxiety, you know, you've been kind of just letting run, run loose. That, that, that addiction, that workaholism. You, you know you've been needing to get into therapy, but you've been avoiding it. 
God. Whatever it is, man, work on cultivating a healthy soul. And then cultivate godly character. Man, allow, when you feel those moments in private, man, give in to the Lord. Obey his word, even if no one ever knows, because God is forming his character in you in those moments. Can you bow your heads with me, church?